I began a series with you a few weeks ago talking about making your life count. We're going to continue that today, but before we get into that, let me welcome our campuses today. My name is Eddie Couples. I'm the senior pastor for Love and Truth Ministries, and I'm glad you're with us today. I'm thankful for what God is doing at every location of every place that Love and Truth meets together, and today as we go into the Word of the Lord, I want to encourage you to get ready to receive what God has for you. Would you take your Bibles today, all of us together, the book of Acts, the second chapter, We began in in Acts chapter 2 a couple of weeks ago talking to you about this subject of making my life count, how that you and I are called by God to make a difference in our world, that it's not enough just to show up and kind of phone it in, but that genuinely we need to be making a difference day in and day out. The first week we talked about how that after the apostle Peter preached on the day of Pentecost that they said, what do we do? How do we get saved? And the word of God says that he told them they needed to repent, they needed to be baptized, their lives were going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And we talked about how that you and I have to pursue the things of God. That if we genuinely want to make a difference with our lives, that we have to be willing to go after God with everything within us. And so we talked about that that first week. The second week, we talked about how that we move into relationship. In fact, why don't we just read that? Would you look in Acts chapter 2 and verse number 42? It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. We talked about last week how that the local body of believers is so important that they came together. In fact, they came together on a daily basis. Wow, that got quiet. And and they studied the Word of God together and they prayed together and they fellowshiped together. And that it's important that even though I claim to be a Christian and I have a relationship with God, that's a personal thing, that I still need to have a group of believers that I gather with and that I'm a part of. In other words, I still believe, and it may not be, uh, you know, politically correct, but I still believe that the local church is important to a Christian that you need to be part of a local church. Now today, we're going to continue. Would you look in verse 43? Because this is where we're going to be today. It says, Everyone was filled with awe. All the people around them are standing back in amazement. And many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. Now today, I'm going to talk about, we talked about pursuing God. We talked about moving uh, into fellowship with other believers. Today, we're going to talk about serving. Would you say that with me? serving come on do it like you mean it serving right and 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 that's one of those things that's a little difficult sometime isn't it now as I read that verse to you some of you are going well how does he get serving out of that scripture it's talking about everybody's in awe of the apostles and great things are happening miraculous signs were taking place well here's what I believe the reason that these things were happening is because people had received spiritual gifts Now, I'm going to talk a little bit about spiritual gifts today and how that they operate in the life of a believer, how that they operate in the life of a Christian on a daily basis. Here's what spiritual gifts are. Spiritual gifts are God-given abilities. They're, They're offices, they're manifestations which are meant to do works of service so that they benefit the whole body of Christ. Let me let me say it this way. Spiritual gifts are not to make you look spiritual, right? Spiritual gifts are to enable the whole body of Christ to fulfill the mandate that Jesus Christ has given to the church. Now, 
when, when you begin to study the aspect of spiritual gifts and you read theologians and writers and pastors and teachers who, who study this subject, you will find that most of them give somewhere between 20 to 25, even some I've seen as high as 28 different spiritual gifts. And, and, and it's, it's kind of varied, and, and today I'm not going to dig into all of that. Uh, but but it's, 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 a, it's a, a great big list as you begin to look at it. But what you find is, is that some scholars differ about certain things, and, and I kind of wonder about a couple of them. Uh, one of them that, that some scholars talk about is the gift of celibacy. I'll wait on you. I don't have that one. If you've got that one, God bless you. Use it wisely. I, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm, I just, I don't feel like being a Catholic priest. Anyway, let's keep moving before I get in serious trouble. The, the other one that's talked about a lot that I, I really don't want to sign up for is the gift of martyrdom. The, the bad thing about the gift of martyrdom is you just get to use it once. Now, <laughs> let me help you. If you're taking notes, you can write this down because I don't have time to go into it. But there are four places in Scripture that list spiritual gifts. One of them is 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, gives uh, nine gifts there. Ephesians chapter 4 gives us some five other gifts. Uh, Romans chapter 12 gives us another set of gifts. And then 1 Peter, the 4th chapter, also gives us gifts. And in those, you'll find that 20 to 25 different giftings according to how it's listed. Now, let me kind of break it down. I'm going to be real simple with this. Break it down so that we can kind of grasp it. And then I'm going to go into what I consider the, the meat of the, the day. Uh, when you begin to look at this, there's three classifications of gifts. There's the ministry gifts, there's the manifestation gifts, and then there's what's referred to as the motivational gifts. Here are the ministry gifts. They're found in the book of Ephesians. It's apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. The Word of God says that God has given to the church those five gifts for the equipping of the saints so that the saints can go forth and do ministry. So that's one aspect. Then there's the manifestation gifts that are found in the book of 1 Corinthians. And they are such things as prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues, the gift of faith, the gifts of healing, the gift of working of miracles, the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. Those are what are referred to as manifestation gifts because when those gifts are operated uh, in the kingdom of God, you can see them. You know if somebody's been healed. You know if somebody's received a word or whatever. So those are manifestation gifts. And then there's a third category referred to as the motivational gifts. These gifts help to motivate people. One of those is the gift of prophecy. Then there's the gift of serving which is a motivational gift the gift of teaching the gift of giving is really a motivational gift the gift of encouragement and then there's the gift of leadership slash administration that's listed in scripture and the gift of mercy now here's what I will tell you the gift of mercy when I do these profiles of spiritual gifts that is always at the bottom in my life I, am, I have decided I am not a very merciful person. I'm trying. But it's just, so that's why I surround myself with a lot of nice people. Because <laughs> they can give mercy, all right? Uh, but but these, these are in the Scripture. Now, here, here's what I want you to understand. When you read the Scripture, great things are happening in the church. But the reason is, is because each person is operating in their spiritual gift. 
They are doing what it is that God's called them to do. Now, let me help you about spiritual gifts, and then we're going to get into it. Watch this. Spiritual gifts are not just your natural abilities, and now you're using them because you got saved. All right? Uh, I have seen people who maybe have a nat. Maybe you went to college, and you are a teacher, or you are a CPA, and so you say, well, I must have the gift of teaching, or I must have the gift of administration. Well, you may or you may not. Those may be natural abilities, and God may enable you with the gift of the word of wisdom. Or he may bring the gift of mercy into your life. Here's the aspect of understanding, is that you need to know that it's not something that is just natural to you. It is a God-given ability that he brings into your life, and that now you flow in that God-given ability. And here's what I know. Ministry happens through spiritual gifts. Here's another thing I know. Everybody that's a Christian has at least one spiritual gift. You say, well, I'm a believer, but I don't have a spiritual gift. Oh, yes, you do. Scripture says that God has given you a spiritual gift. And here's what I've found through the years. If you want to be fulfilled in your relationship with God and in this journey, if you really want to make your life count, then what you will find is is that as you operate in your spiritual gift, you will begin to see yourself moving into fulfillment in God's kingdom. So it's very important that we understand that we are all called of God to do His work. Remember last week I talked to you about that not only do we need Jesus as our Savior, but He is also our Lord. That He is the one who is in charge of our life. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. In other words, everything on this earth is God's. That means you are not your own. The Bible says you were bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. That's what we're called to do. So when, when I begin to look at this, a lot of times I'll have people say, well, pastor, you know, I, I know that, that being saved is a great thing. And I know being part of a church is, is kind of good. But, you know, this, this doing something for God or doing, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know if I'm really supposed to do anything. Well, let me show you some things today that, that will prompt you, I hope, to understand that God wants you involved in his kingdom. Day in and day out, what is happening in the world is because people have decided. The reason that lives are being changed, the reason that families are being put back together, the reason that eternity is going to be different for people is because somebody said, what is my gift? Let me use that gift for the glory of God. All right? So let me me show you what God does. All right? Number one is this. God chose people to accomplish His work. Can I say that again? God chose people. He didn't choose angels. I mean, we, you know, we've got all these people. I don't know if I could just see an angel. No, God chose people to do his work. I mean, when you read the book of Genesis 1, you find that God says, let there be, and it says, and it was. Let there be, and it was so. Let there be, and it was so. I mean, on and on and on and on. But then the Bible says God created man on the sixth day of the week. And as he created that human being, and then he created woman to be with man, then God said to those creations that were the 
crowning achievement of everything he was going to do, the Word of God says, then God said to man and a woman, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. He said, I want you to get involved in my process. Now, God could have done that. He could have just spoke the Word, right? But he said, no, I want people involved in in fact the rest rest of that verse 28 in genesis 1 says he said i want you to rule over this planet see god chose people to accomplish his work we, we, a lot of times i see people and they say well you know whatever you ever heard this whatever will be will be that's a bunch of baloney amen well, you know, it must be, if God wants it to happen, it will happen. That's some more baloney. You say, well, I don't believe that. I believe God's in control. Ultimately, God's in control. But right now, He's given mankind dominion upon this earth. And so it's up to me, it's up to you, it's up to us collectively to decide, you know what, I'm going to get involved. I'm going to rule over this earth. I'm going to get involved in what God's called me to do and work this earth. I mean, if you read uh, chapters 1, 2, and 3 there, you'll see a lot of interesting in the book of Genesis. But what you find is, is that God brings the animals by Adam and says to Adam, you name them. Think about that. I mean, God could have said, that's a rhino, that's an elephant, that's a tiger, that's a lion, that's a bear, oh my. I mean, he could have, right? Seeing how many of you have had kids. All right, he, he, he could have done that, but he didn't. He said, I want mankind to operate here. I want them to work in my venue. I want them to do what I've called them to do. The book of Ephesians, the fourth chapter, is talking about uh, all of us being involved together in the kingdom of God. The 16th verse ends with this. It says, each part does its work. I want to tell you, each part, each person that's in the kingdom of God you have a part to play. You have something to do. In fact, a sitting Christian is an oxymoron. I didn't say sinning. I said sitting. You know, it's kind of like government intelligence. It's an oxymoron. It's like jumbo shrimp. You can pray about that one. I, I, it's... it's God did not call you to sit. God called you to serve. God created something that you alone have the ability to do. And that's what he's called us to do. So God chose mankind. He chose humanity to work and to, to help fulfill his work. Number two is God has empowered people to do his work. Aren't you glad that God didn't tell you to do something, but then not give you the ability to do it? It's kind of like going to work. Some of you have gone to work in places, and they tell you, I've hired you, and I want you to do this, but they don't tell you how to go about doing it. It's kind of like working for me. My wife told me a while back, and she has reminded me of it consistently in a very loving Christian way, I know. Uh, she said, you get aggravated at people because you think everybody ought to think just like you. I said, yeah, and what's the problem? <laughs> See, it's, it's kind of like going to work 
And they, they don't tell you what to do. They just expect you to do it. But God doesn't do that. The Word of God lets us know that God has empowered us. Jesus said, it's not good that I stay with you. I need to go away so I can send the Comforter. He said, when the Holy Spirit, when He has come, He will guide you in all truth. Then He told the disciples, He said, go back and wait in Jerusalem until you are endued with power of the Holy Spirit. Ten days later, the Holy Spirit was poured out. The spiritual gifts were released. And in verse 43 that we read today, then we saw great miracles and great things happening as a result of spiritual gifts. You have a spiritual gift. God has intentionally distributed the gifts throughout his body that they would function wholeheartedly together see you have been empowered by God to do his work I don't know about you but that kind of makes me feel good amen God God thinks enough of me that he would trust me with the greatest thing on earth and that is his kingdom God thinks so much of you that he said, I not only want you in my kingdom, but I will empower you to do the work of my kingdom. The third aspect about God is that God recruits people to do his work. In fact, not only does God recruit people, God drafts people. You know, when I got saved and a few years later about, I don't know, I guess it was in the 70s and 80s, especially uh, one of the teachings that kind of went through the body of Christ was God is a gentleman and he will never violate your will. That's a joke. I don't know who sold that. It sounded, it preached good. I probably even preached it at some point, but I'm telling you, ask Moses about that. Moses on the backside of nowhere minding his own business. All of a sudden, fire. He walks over and, and all of a sudden this voice speaks out of the fire. Moses. I'm trying to do Charlton Heston. Moses. Or James Earl Jones. Moses. Take off your shoes for the place you stand on is holy ground. That'll get your attention. Then he says, Hey, by the way, go drag all those people out of Egyptians' bondage. Me? Yeah, you. Really? God, I can't speak. I can't. He, so God gives him, you know, the show. Stick your hand in. It's right. Take it out. It's leprous. Stick it back in. Pull it out. It's nice. I'd like that. Hey, let me show you something. Take your staff, throw it down, becomes a snake, pick it back up. I don't want that one. I hate snakes. <laughs> but, you know, so, so Moses gets called. Jonah, I mean, you talk about recruiting. God didn't recruit Jonah. God drafted him. <laughs> Jonah, go to Nineveh. Don't want to go. Okay. Gets on a boat, starts heading out. God sends a storm. The Scripture's clear about this. Who sent the storm? God did. Everybody says, what's wrong? Jonah finally fesses up, I sinned. They say, well, you're out of here. Jack throws him over the side. God's prepared a fish who swallows him, and for three days, Jonah has a whale of an experience. The, the whale or whatever, the big fish, spits him up on dry land in Nineveh. He's got seaweed stuck here. His clothes are half eaten from the gastric juices. He is pale white, completely bleached out from everything inside there. 
He just walks up and down the streets going, God's going to kill you. People said he preached repentance. He did not. Go read it. God's going to kill you, and I'm glad. They all said, we want to repent. They repented, and God said, okay, I won't do that. David, David's out minding his own business. On the backside, taking care of sheep. All of a sudden, he gets a call. Daddy wants you. Shows up. There's an old man sitting there with a bottle of oil and just pours it all over him from the top of his head to the sole of his feet, and says, oh, by the way, God says you're the king. Really? The apostles. People say, well, you know, I got saved, but I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Hang on a minute. You're supposed to do something. The apostles are fishing. Jesus walks by and goes, come, follow me. Oh, okay. And now he gets real, he gets, when we love this part, literal spirit, come and I will make you fishers of men. What in the heck does that mean? Fishers of men. I understand fishing with a net and a boat, but fishers of men. And yet they dropped their nets and they followed him. Why? Because God wants us and he recruits us into his kingdom. The book of Isaiah, the sixth chapter the first five chapters of Isaiah, Isaiah is talking about how horrible Israel is. In fact, in five chapters, he, he goes, woe unto Israel five times. In the sixth chapter, the scripture says, Isaiah said, I saw the Lord, and he was high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. And he said the angels were circling, and they were, they were doing all their bidding. And the Bible says that at that moment that Isaiah no longer is saying, woe is everybody else, Isaiah says, woe is me. For I am undone, and I dwell among a people of unclean lips. And the Bible says God sent an angel from heaven, and we won't go through all that. But, but here's, God said, I need somebody to go. And Isaiah said, here am I, send me. See, some of us need to have that Isaiah encounter with God. Listen, I'm grateful that you're saved. I'm thankful that you're part of the kingdom. It's wonderful. Listen to me. In fact, if you dare, look up here a second. It's wonderful that you're going to heaven. But are you going by yourself? Is it all about you? Is it all about just your salvation? Because if it was, wouldn't it have been better the day or the night that you got saved for Jesus just to have took you? Because at that moment, you knew you were ready. You've had some doubt since then. No, it's not just about you. God's recruiting you. There's a guy named Saul in Scripture who's on his way to persecute the church. In fact, he has letters in his pocket to imprison church leaders and church members. And the Scripture says, and God met him and struck him down, and he went blind. And Saul, who then became the apostle Paul, cried out to the Lord, and he said, Lord, what would you have me to do? I wonder... And I'll move on. But I wonder if it's going to take some of us getting knocked down before we say, Lord, what would you have me to do? Listen, when you're flat of your back, God gets your attention. Why not go ahead before you get there and just say, Lord, 
as Isaiah did, here am I, send me. The fourth thing about God is that God sees every ministry as important. Every gift. There are no big gifts and little gifts. There are no big ministries and little ministries. The parable of the talents prove this. Scripture says that the master gave one five, he gave one two, and he gave one one. And you might say, well, the guy who had five, he was, you know what? The same accountability is held all the way through. God wanted whatever you were given, whatever the ability, whatever the gift was you were given, God just said, take what I've given you and use it for my kingdom. The accountability is the same. See, one of our problems is, is that we see, maybe, maybe you're like me. I, I couldn't play one of these instruments up here if you put a gun to my head. I mean, I could make noise, but I couldn't play it. If, if I wanted to empty the room, I could start singing. All right? Now, here's the issue. I can sit over there while the worship's going on and while the singing's going on and while the musicians are playing, and I can go, man, I'm nothing. I don't have anything. Or I can say, wait a minute, God has gifted me to do something else. See, what I do week in and week out is a gift from God. It's not my natural ability. Some of you say, well, you must just be really, you must just like to be up on a stage. Do, do you know how introverted I really am? I know you don't believe that, but I, my, my, it would be so easy for me to come in, you know, about two minutes after service and slide in one of the back seats. I'm not going to preach about that. And kind of, you know, do my Jesus thing. And, and then when service is over, ease out and not speak to any. That's who I am naturally. But God called me to be a pastor. God called me to be a teacher. God gifted me with a gift of leadership and a gift of, of, of teaching. He put that in. It wasn't natural to me. And I depend on his grace every day. Every time I step on a stage, if God doesn't show up, I'm in a mess. But the great thing is, is that he shows up. So whatever it is that God's called you to do, understand the blessings of God will enable you to do it. 1 Corinthians 12 talks about that all parts of the body are important. doesn't matter what it is. There, are, there is nothing that's not important. Now, as I've talked about this today, you said, well, pastor, that's all fine, and that's great, and, and I'm a believer, and, and I like what you're saying, and, and I really do know I need to get involved. I need to get serving in the kingdom of God. I need to use the gifts that God has given, but I don't know how to go about it. Let me help you with that real quickly. Number one is, understand this, spiritual gifts are about serving. Spiritual gifts are not about how wonderful we are. Spiritual gifts, if, in fact, if they are used otherwise, they're being misused. Spiritual gifts are about serving. Number two is, what do I feel God drawing me to? When I pray about it, when I read the Bible, when I'm around people, what, may, maybe you feel called to pray for people. Maybe you feel called to teach a class. Maybe you feel called to be a greeter. But what, what is it that God is pulling me to? What is it that God wants me to do? I'm being drawn to that. Now, next is, do I have evidence of that gift? 
Is there an evidence in my life? I, we, we've all been in church before, and, and, and we've heard something similar to this. Somebody walks to the platform or comes on the stage, and, and, and they say something on this order. Uh, I want you all to pray for me today. Uh, God's given me this gift, and I want to give it back to him. And then they start to sing, and we start to pray. Because we don't know what key that is. It's never been found. And it's like fingernails on the chalkboard. And they're talking about how God gave it to them. In my mind, I, I know I'm a little strange. My mind goes, and I can see God in the heavens where they said they were going to give it back to him. And he's going, no, no, keep it. <laughs> see, our... <laughs> I'm sorry, not really. Do, do, do I have evidence of this gift? And lastly, am I being confirmed in my gifting? In the things that I'm doing in the kingdom of God are good things happening. You know, the scripture talks about signs and wonders are following. In other words, what, when I go forth to do what it is God's called me to do, are there, is there fruit that comes along behind me? I want to tell you something. You and I have a part to play in God's kingdom. I don't want to get to heaven and God say, there were some things I wanted you to do. There were some lives I wanted you to touch. There were some people's hearts that were going to be changed. But you weren't willing to serve in the kingdom. It's interesting how often I find that people who say, well, I don't know if I really, if this is really the right place for me or if I really fit. You, you want me to help you to be able to fit? Start serving. Just start serving. Start loving. Start giving. Start doing. And as you do, you will find out you fit. Why? Because God's given you a gift that only you can do. And we've been talking about this whole series about making my life count. Let me give you three ways to make it count. Number one is find and develop my gift. There's all kinds of ways to do that. There are books on that subject. Uh, you can go online and take a, a gift, spiritual gifts profile deal and, and we'll help you with that. But, but find and discover what my gift is. Number two is join a ministry team. Look, I understand that some of you minister and outside the church, and all those things are wonderful, but I want to tell you, I believe with all of my heart that you need to be ministering in the house. Don't quit doing what's out there, but bring some of that love and some of that serving and some of that anointing into the house as well. And lastly, do this, serve out of passion. If God's called you to do something, He's going to give you a passion for it. And you know what I found out about people who serve out of passion? They never burn out. When I hear the term, are you ready? When I hear the term, I'm burned out in whatever it is people are doing, I know they don't have a passion for it. Now, I didn't say you weren't going to have bad days. I didn't say you weren't going to have bad weeks, months, possibly a couple of years. But if you know that you're called of God to do it, you will do it. 
because there's a passion. It's a, it's a recharging every time you do what God has called you to do. And so here's my challenge as I close. If you are serving today, thank you for being part of what God's called us to be. I want to encourage you, don't quit, don't give up, don't stop. If you're not serving, understand this. The Bible says Jesus Christ came to this earth not to be served, but to serve. On the night of his betrayal, the Bible tells us Jesus took a towel, wrapped it around his waist. He took some water in a basin, and he looked at 12 carnal, dirty disciples who were arguing about everything. And he knelt down in front of them, and the Bible says he began to wash their feet. Why did Jesus come? Jesus came to serve. He knew in just a few short hours he would serve by giving his life so that you and I could have life in it abundantly. He was going to experience horrible suffering. There were going to be stripes upon his back. He was going to experience a crown of thorns pressed down into his brow. He was going to hang suspended on a cross as the nails dug into his hands and into his feet. And yet he did that so that he could serve mankind, so that you and I could receive the grace of forgiveness. If the king of kings thinks that much of us, then don't you think we ought to be involved in serving in the kingdom?